Today's episode is sponsored in part by Athletic Greens. I take Athletic Greens literally every day in the morning before I work out, before I hit the tennis court. It makes me feel unstoppable and my body loves it. Very quickly, I noticed once I started taking AG1 that it helped with improved digestion. Look at my hair. Look at my skin. I feel fantastic. Why take a bunch of different things when you can mix one scoop of powder in water once a day? AG1 has been part of millions of mornings since 2010. AG1 gives you increased energy and mood support, making it easy to live your best life. If you're looking for an easier way to take supplements, Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com slash spike911, athleticgreens.com slash spike911, and check it out. Let's start the show. And now, Hangar 56 Media presents Spike's Car Radio, a downloadable cars and coffee, hosted by writer, comedian, and automotive enthusiast, Spike Ferriston. Now, here's Spike. Start My Heart by Motley Crue. See if you can guess this week's guest based on the song. Did you say Pat Long? Pat Long is here. Johnny Lieberman is here. Zuckerman is uh, on his way to jail again. Hey, Spike. This is really what you listen to when you drive, Pat. No, I've, I've been going too quick if I listen to that, but that was definitely what I listened to in elementary school and jumping on the bed. Welcome to Spike's Car Radio. I hope you're excited uh, to listen to us today uh, in your cars. So always send those pics in of uh, the Spike's Car Radio on the dash. Uh, if you're in the workshop, hello to you guys. If you're uh, escaping your mother-in-law and your your parents, like they left. Money, they, they left. left. Yeah. Welcome. Welcome to... At least 40 minutes of Cars and Coffee downloadable. Um, and Pat Long is here because uh, there's a Lufka cult coming up. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. You're a longtime uh, repeat guest. You're our Bill Murray. You, you're always on this show. And, uh, and uh, you're here to tell us what's going to happen in San Francisco, right? This big event is happening on what day? April 29th and 30th. First time we're going to do a... A, a double seating, if you will. Um, last time I saw you guys, you were having a live show at Luft. I didn't yeah. get to, I didn't get to partake, <laughs> but I I heard from Matt Farah that uh, we, he needs a little more shade the next yes. time we do the show. <laughs> yes. we, we had a great time there, that, but yeah, we were out in the middle of things, and what we learned is we need a, a, a small self-contained area that people can kind of walk into and cozy up to us. But I still I had a great time. I, I thought it was a lot of fun. It was great. Yeah, but we did get sunburned. 
Yeah. I remember a little girl came up to me and gave me a little flower or sticker and put it on my head. That was really sweet. And uh, our idiot listeners were there and a lot of great cars. And thank you, by the way, for having us there. Yeah, I was stoked you guys were there. It was a good group. You were you were in the rowdy section in front of the brewery. <laughs> I was thinking this is this is going to be this is going to be wild. But no, it's gritty. We like to say sometimes it looks it's, yeah. it's a, a blanket statement for I'm sorry. We'll take better care of you next time. No, 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 no. Entirely my fault. Um, but let's talk about this year. It's already been a year. It's unbelievable. A year since the last event. Um, at what point after last year's event, or did you already know you were going to be up in San Francisco? Um, I mean, events for us are always a bit of uh, spontaneous combustion. Um, James Longstaff, who's been on our team since day one, uh, lives up in the Bay Area, and he's always thrown some great ideas around uh, getting to Northern California, and it's been on the to-do list for quite a while. Um, I flew up with minimal expectation. And I walked into this venue, uh, for those of you who live up in the area, Mare Island. And I had driven past it, leaving Oakland, heading towards Sonoma. And I always looked off and saw this really cool old, you know, Navy looking base and thought there could be something there, but you always wonder, you know, how, how left for dead is it? And how much would you need to, to do to pull off a show? And then I, I walked in and I started blowing up Jeff Swartz phone on the text message. And I said, this is 100% the best venue that we will ever visit. And he responded, you always say that. <laughs> it's a very sworn answer. And what was it that you saw that got you excited? Like what qualifies as a perfect place for an event? Yeah, we need scale these days. Uh, we're thankful for that, that uh, many people and many cars want to come join. Uh, we don't like empty uh, parking lots or golf courses or racetracks. We want backdrop. We want architecture. We want history. And the cool part about this is that they're preserving all of that originality, but they're cleaning it all up. It's properly sealed and, and lit. And there's great indoor and outdoor space, but diversity. We don't just want one look. When you look back at the images, you want to see a bunch of different textures and, and layouts and lay these cars out against all different types of backdrops. Wow. And then, so what happens after that? You pick this place. Is there a mayor of Mare Island? I mean, how do you secure <laughs> this place? How big is Mare Island? Like a mile or 200? What is it? It's a, it's I don't a, know anything about it. It's full uh, Vallejo City property. I mean, there's a high school on Mare Island. Oh, there there's is? residential. Oh, wow. Um, and it, it, I don't know. I should know by now the full history of it. But, um, <laughs> I got a phone. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, um, it is definitely something that we throw together. We I get that feeling in my stomach and then I, I start texting the team and Jeff goes and sees it. And then it's like, we got to do this now because a lot of times these are like this area is being developed and it's being leased out to tenants. Right, and there's right. all different types of industrial tenants, retail tenants. There's a great distillery on property, a brewery, uh, there's car restoration going in. And so it reminds me a little bit of when we did Bister Heritage in England and it was an old RAF military base that was then turned into an industrial park for vintage cars. So another super cool spot that we visited and thrown a show up at, but I kid you not, not only is there a 360 degree water view at Mare Island, but there's a little bit of everything. There's the old officer's houses that are sort of above ground, mini mansions, um, just wild stuff. But Zuckerman's doing some homework for me. Or, sorry. I'm Lieberman, <laughs> but that's okay. Lieberman. Hey, Pat, I got your homework. You've got his, you've um, got his voice down. So it's uh, 3.5 miles long, one mile wide. So it's a big island. 
It's a big island. And what is, is it? A former military? I yeah, it looks like kind? an old naval Ooh, slow base or something. Oh yeah, there you go. Yeah, you got like the shipyards. Um, you've got you know a lot of industrial buildings that we're going to throw some cars into. Um, yeah, there's, there's a little bit of everything. I don't want to fully overhype it or give it all away, but let's say it's it's got scale for a good group of cars. We're just sending out our uh, acceptances for all of the Luft Nine cars, the air-cooled cars, which will be on Saturday. And then Sunday, we're going to do a little bit of a different spin and open it up for some later model cars. We're calling it Air Water. Uh, we tested this pilot at the Peterson the night before Luft a few years ago, and it really blew up because Transaxle is a big part of Porsche's heritage, and you guys have owned and driven many of those cars. But also, there's so much going on with 996, 997, all the way up into the brand new GT3 RS. And um, you start counting Career GT. Uh, there, there's lots of stuff that yeah, we want to uh, yeah. shed some light on. So it's a two day event now. Is this the first time you've done two days? This is the first time. Um, some of the feedback that we get from our loyal uh, attendees is hey, I, I fly from England for a five-hour event. What else is going on? Give right, me more. Right. And always there's pop-up events before Luft, after Luft, during Luft. Um, that's a, a, a something that's taken an organic life of its own. But we thought, how could we expand this, turn it into a weekend? And this was the perfect venue for it. So uh, we're making it up as we go, but uh, I'm excited to see uh, what kind of cars will show up for that one. There's a, obviously a big four-door movement with all of the Cayennes and everything else. So it's not just uh, sports cars this time. So let me ask you, though, is this uh, devil's advocate? Is this where Luft jumps the shark? You're letting water cooled in? Vasa Gekult? There is no water cooled allowed at Luft. Luft is Saturday. Oh, no, I'm saying, though. Sunday is a different spin on things. It's the same production team. It's the same venue. But it's a different cast of characters. And we will have air-cooled cars on Sunday, but there won't be any water-cooled cars on Saturday. What's the goofball German word for uh, water-cooled? Wassergekult. What is it? Wassergekult. Wassergekult. So this is, why wouldn't you call it Wassergekult? Too predictable. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's too literal. I think that... um, (laughs) Thank you, by the way, for not doing that. This is something (laughs) different. Um, I mean, Lieberman already pronounces it better than me, so that's the first problem. But uh, (laughs) no, it's. I think that this is um, an answer to quite a few different things. And my overall vision of Air Water is for it to be its own standing event. It's not just day two of Luft. Um, I, I believe that now when you think about the, the expansion of the model line after 1998, um, there's a lot of things we want to do creatively with some of those cars. And yeah, there's, there's plenty of friends that have been knocking on the door for five or six years that say, when you're willing to do something beyond the 993, call me because I, I have some things to say and some cars to bring. Wow. And how did you, so you see this spot, how do you secure it? Who is there just a, a landlord sitting there in an office or how, how did that piece work? Yeah. Sorry. I forgot to answer that question. No, That's okay. But, um, but I think a lot of us are curious, you know, at least once a week I'm hearing from someone, how do I start a cars and coffee? How do I do something like this? You see this Island, yes. you see this space and then what, what's yeah. the next step? It's not easy. Um, the, the, the conviction of, of cars, it's, it's, um, a little bit of a, 
tango, if you will, of trying to convince a landlord who's trying to lease out his property that we want to bring hundreds and hundreds of cars and thousands of people onto their property. But I think that when we start to talk about the digital reach that Luft brings to our different partners, we see our venues as partners for that year. Um, it makes more sense. And we always have a little bit of a reputation and some testimonials from our prior hosts that say these guys understand, these guys and girls know what they're doing. Uh, they know how to produce an event. They know how to clean up after themselves, but it takes some convincing. There's definitely some negotiating around it and it's not cheap. Um, right. We pay to play, um, but in this day and age, it's getting easier for us as we sort of build our deck and explain that we're gonna bring millions and millions of impressions to uh, what they might tr be trying to do, whether that's selling lumber or selling beer at the brewery, um, or in this case, selling real estate. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. What do you think, Johnny? I just, you know, it's funny because I lived up in Sonoma County and I lived in San Francisco. So when I hear uh, Vallejo, it's sort of like <laughs> not the nicest part of the Bay Area. But um, I mean, it's I imagine it's going to be a very cool location. I've never been there, but I've been to like Alameda, like it all the old naval great. stuff. And it's, you know, the, the Bay is an, an incredible <clears throat> backdrop for anything. So And, and the dates are again? Uh, April 29th and 30th. And to that point, you know, a lot of people have asked, where do we stay? And yeah. what do we do? And, yeah. you know, and where do you get the drugs and prostitutes? Exactly. Right? Yeah. Well, well I'll tell, I can far. answer that question. <laughs> <laughs> but no, we're 20 minutes from where the Calmele is finishing up on the Thursday prior to our show. Uh, so South Napa is a 20 minute drive. And if you've got the budget, there's some beautiful properties yeah, up yeah. there. But also so, Sonoma's right there. Exactly. You know, the racetrack's right there. Yes. Um, and Sonoma's a little cheaper than Napa usually, a little bit better weather. Food's better, wine, you know, not so much. But And then is weather a consideration up there? Obviously, what's happening here with these... Uh I think weather's a consideration everywhere. <laughs> I was just on a call with uh, the, the Monterey guys and, and some planning for Rensport, and they said it's literally run for your life right now. They're getting, yeah. they're getting <laughs> messages over their phone. So, hey, it's been a wild year. We're, we're ready for anything. We run rain or shine. But it's, it's rain or shine. You just come, and it works. Did you, at Pebble, on the 18th hole, there was a sinkhole yeah, yeah. on Pebble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it should be dried up by then. Oh, yeah, maybe this summer. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. but April... Who knows? Yeah. Well, well it, the Bay Area is better equipped for rain than Los Angeles is. They get it much more than we get it. So, and uh, but you'll still be have people outside. So that sucks. Yeah, it's weird. I mean, I think but you in, did a lift in the rain. Yeah, we four. I was there. I yeah. was there. Yeah, was yeah. Rain. England was in the rain all the way through the day. Oh, that's England. Uh, yeah, of course. The one day of that summer that rained was uh, <laughs> the day that we had a show, and it was great. I mean, it makes for beautiful photography. Just wear the right gear. But yeah, we're mainly an outdoor show. But um, it's it's a little bit of everything. I mean, as we as we always debate, these cars don't melt, so you see a separation. I, I, I've seen guys drive I've, uh, five fifty spiders two people in the car and just saddle up and go for it. So it just depends on yeah, the owner. It's definitely like that. You know, it's funny. I was telling Zuckerman the other day, it's like, I haven't gone out driving because of the rain, but whenever I'm in Monterey in the rarest of things that, that the God, I'll drive it through the mud. I, I don't yeah, seem right. to care up there, but here for some reason, I, it starts <clears throat> the, to bug me. We're, our roads are not built for rain though. I, I almost hydroplane this morning on the fast lane <laughs> and the one ten. It's just you know, and it was it was raining hard, but you know, 
It's uh, we're just not we're not people don't for understand it. the rain yeah. problems we have. Uh, it's very different. It's down here. very yeah. different here. It's very. Different. I used to laugh at people getting upset about the rain when I first moved here, and now I kind of understand. You were moaning about it before the show started. I was never moaning. <laughs> I just I miss. T- I like to play tennis every day if I can at night, right, right. and if when it's rain, this one thing you kind of can't do is play tennis. Even though we did last night in the, in the puddles a little bit and had a nice. How night. Are, are you? I know you drive around Malibu. How are the roads holding up out there? I've stayed out of the canyons uh, f- uh, when when things are like this. I mean, you, you need, usually need a couple days for things to clear up and get the rocks dragged off, but they do a pretty good job. Um, I didn't go out this weekend. I got young kids, so we're doing other things like K1 and uh, soccer and yeah. tennis and all those things. But um, K1's fantastic. Which K1 are you? Uh, we've been going to K1 and Thousand Oaks. Uh, oh, it's a wow. pretty new facility. Yeah. I live up in Westlake Village now, so uh, it's easy for us to get to. But yeah, I've been, uh, I think Mac, he takes his kids to Burbank. There's one in Torrance. Torrance is the one yeah, we go to. They're yeah. pushing like 70 yeah. facilities across North America. So definitely on the up. They're actually w- building a, a new outdoor track. Um, I saw that. That's going to be serious. Yeah, now that is, they're kind of upping the game a little bit. Not these little electric deals, right? You can get a motorized shifter high-speed cart. shifter cart. Right? Yeah, they'll, they're going to have full-fledged world championship level races. Oh, that's it has great. the CIK, you know, full approval for, for big races like the Super Nats that's usually in Las Vegas. Right. But indoor karting, I mean, during the week to buzz over there with your kid for just an hour of time is, is enough to get a couple of sessions in. And the best part is, is the juniors rotate with the senior so dad can get a session in while the kids are kind of catching <laughs> oh, nice. their breath do you, feel, do you feel pressure being a professional racer that you need to win even at k1 yes and no first of all <laughs> do you win do you win depends it depends who's <laughs> out there a lot of times i i try to keep it low key you know maybe have used an alias once or twice if uh you know been hanging out with friends before we get to k1 yes but no um i i actually am it's am a work- serious place they're very serious about racing but they you know i buddied up to the guys last time i was there and they said they can control the speed of some carts yeah and I was like, how come the birthday boy always wins? Exactly. <laughs> no, it's it's interesting because one thing you'll learn is you're never going to beat the local expert of anything. Yeah. I don't care if that's golf or, or right, indoor right, karting. Right, right. If that's their home track, learn from them, follow their lines, watch which go-karts they get in um, because that there is a lot of local knowledge and those guys and girls are fast. So I go there. Um, but you're the local now. I mean, well, yeah, I know yeah. you said it's easy to get to Thousand Oaks from Westlake Village. It's the same city. I was born in Westlake Village, grew up in Thousand Oaks. It's no, the same exactly. Town. Yeah, yeah it, it is. So now backyard. you're the local. I, I keep thinking, what would this have been like uh, at, at elementary school, like my son? To, yeah. To be able to go after school if the grades are coming in oh, right. and go bust some laps out. Yeah. We actually have a, a racing league. The first Tuesdays of the month, we just did the first time he did his first race. And it's there was like 19 kids, two heats, standing start. How old is uh, your kid? Seven. Oh, because yeah, my kid yeah. just turned six and I'm in Burbank, basically. It's, it's fun. It's really fun. Ooh. And it's, again, you don't have to schlep the stuff in the back of your trailer, drive out right. to rural, right. desert, yeah, it's rural areas. Yeah, tarantulas and Arrive and, and drive and, and, occasion- and occasional concussion. Yeah. That's all I'll say. And yeah. there's food in bed. 
five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I gotta, I gotta what, get... what happens is, is the dopey kid who comes along who doesn't know how to control a car runs into the back of your kid's sure, car. Sure, And we've had two concussions so far. Really? But wow. We keep going back. Spike's hold, been trying to on. kill his kids for a while. Today's episode is brought to you by the makers and fixers of Snap On. The makers and fixers keep the world moving. They're the backbone of the world, whether they're talking about manufacturing, customizing, restoration, performance, or maintenance. I know a lot of makers and fixers like the ones who worked on that Zagato right back there. John Wilhoyt, how about you guys listening? Are you a maker or a fixer? And who are your favorite makers of fi- fixers in your life who work on your cars? The makers and fixers not only built your car, they keep it running and help you make it awesome. Theirs is not just a job, it's a calling. And Snap-on wants to hear from you about them. Share your story. Go to go to makersandfixers.com slash spikescarradio. Just go to the website, makersandfixers.com slash spikescarradio. Leave your story there. And check out Makers and Fixers, the account on Instagram. Let's talk about racing some more because, uh, you know, we got a race car driver here. Yeah, he's a race car driver. You know, I I tried to prep for the this conversation about Sebring this past weekend, and I read... <clears throat> The, all the news coverage, the, the IMSA, I can't make heads or tails out of who won what and where and what class. Was it hasn't which. gone live yet, but you know, we were talking about qualifying, not the actual Yes, race. I know that. Yeah, I so realized that crucified. after yeah, that. Yeah, 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 yeah no, yeah. I know. We don't get okay. crucified. They, they know we don't know much about Yeah, racing. we don't know. fine. <laughs> okay. But we love it. We're yeah, interested. Sure. But I was laughing. I mean, Sebring, a very famous race. Steve McQueen raced at 908 sure, sure, sure. there, the, the Flunder Mobile. Um, it's still... If you want to make it accessible, you gotta you gotta talk about it in a way that I could understand. <laughs> like I still, it looked like Cadillac won in the class that you and I were betting on. Yes, correct? they did. Yeah, they, they got did. first, Porsche second, Cadillac third. Porsche second, Cadillac third. So yeah. two of their three cars retired. Yeah. This accident in the end was a Cadillac car hitting a Porsche car. Is that what that was? Uh, Do you it, know that it it, what, it, it, can, it was a. I'm going to get this wrong. Um, a Honda, an Acura, and a Porsche that were diving into turn three, going for yes. the win. They came right. up on GT traffic. Matthew Jaminet was leading in the 963 in the Porsche, and it looked really good for Porsche Penske right. to, to win the race. It was the final stint. And he got balked by a bunch of traffic. And here came Philippe Albuquerque in the Wayne Taylor car. And yeah, there's a lot of variables in the opinion of what happened, but yeah. the end result was it was bowling for GTP cars, and the top three cars were out on the spot. <laughs> yes. And the fourth place car, Johnny's uh, Cadillac team, just slipped right through and uh, won the race. But it was uh, not without a lot of controversy. You, because you do watch what happened, and you wonder why didn't he stop? Why did he just seem to, it, it seemed intentional and <laughs> you're looking at me like it could have been or. Yeah, it, it uh, like I he, asked the question and and I was worried about the whole idea of could he have released the brake four wheels off in the grass? Could he have released the brake or got back on the throttle because he was upset about being pushed wide into the grass? And I hope they don't review his data because it's probably not going to look good. Wait, wait, who was it? This is the Porsche driver. No, this is the, oh, the accurate yeah, driver. Yeah, yeah. Albuquerque uh, uh, got uh, uh, pushed uh. off. And the weird thing. Who, was, and, and he was pushed off by did the Did you Porsche. not see this, Johnny? You I haven't have seen it. I read about it. I haven't yeah, seen it. Yeah, maybe I haven't it, lined it up. It, he's going around the turn. It, yeah, yeah. He tries to avoid the collision by cutting through. This, this is the Porsche? No, the Acura. The Acura, okay. And it looks like he has plenty of time to stop, but it also appears that he just keeps going right into the Porsche and goes, fuck it, if I'm out, this right, guy's right, out right, too. Right, 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 Well, yeah. that happens. 
<laughs> and so you're saying they could review that data. Let me put it this way. I know people who have had their license revoked for less, and I don't know if there will be any review of the aftermath of the contact that led to the big contact, but he was on the flash button in the grass. And usually when you're on the flash button, you're on the racetrack in the race. So I think there was definitely some uh, heated emotion um, from from the first bit of contact. What's the flash button? The high beam button that you would uh, push on the steering wheel to warn competitors, uh, slower cars that you're coming coming through. Yeah. Um, yeah. The the lights that you see uh, as they come down pit lane uh, that warn the pit crews uh, of cars in the pit lane. It was very strange because... I'll reset the stage. I probably didn't do a great job. Porsche's leading, um, followed by an Acura. They go into turn one, and they have four GT cars ahead of them, a big gaggle of GT cars that slow up the leading Porsche. The Acura now has a big run around the outside. There's no space for him there. So then he cuts all the way from driver's right to driver's left, trying to pass the Porsche, but the Porsche still held up by the GT cars. So as he comes from full right to full left, the Porsche then jinks left to go around the GT cars, makes contact. So they're both going for the same spot. Correct. And and then, of course, the, the, the ramifications of that is the Acura is the odd man out, and he gets pushed onto the inside on the grass and then goes sliding through the grass and bowls straight through the leading Porsche. Takes, takes T-bone, also, T-bone but, style. But you can also yeah. argue that, like, you ain't stomping on grass. Like, slicks on grass if the grass is take slightly a look wet. At the, take a look yeah, at I'll, the I'll look. I'm just... <laughs> at first view, I thought the same. I thought okay. there's no way okay. he could yeah, stop yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it. But then it almost looked like it accelerated. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I'm not going to say anything. I didn't see it. Potentially. <laughs> I mean, good for Cadillac. I like what I have to say. Good for Cadillac. <laughs> way to avoid... Uh, the contact. But I was happy to see this was going to be a fun bet for Lamont. We have, we have bet. this ongoing bet between Cadillac yeah, and hundred bucks. And but but it's exciting. Yes, I didn't know that Cadillac could be this competitive. Yeah, well, I think last year they won Sebring, right? The DPI car, I think. Now, am I right that Ray Hall Letterman came in second in that class? Yes, their team with the BMW M Hybrid V8. That's Dave, old, good old Dave Letterman. That's a big win for him. Good for him. Wow. Yeah. I didn't know he was racing. BMWs are doing better than everyone predicted. It's kind of it's kind of cool to see the BMWs doing so well. Yeah, it looked like in Daytona that there was uh, Acura had the measure of everybody, and, and Cadillac ran pretty well. But I think Porsche's been working hard, and certainly BMW has as well. It looked like Sebring's interesting because as the sun goes down, certain cars really come forward and other cars struggle. And it has to do with naturally aspirated versus turbo. It has to do with your setup. Oftentimes when I was driving at Sebring, I had a car that was really free in the hot sun. And then the sun would drop, and it's like the last three, four hours of the race is when the real sprint starts and all of a sudden your car would just come alive and it was always good for the 911 just because you're getting colder air in colder air thicker air um the balance more downforce um things change and and the tires react differently um wouldn't it be worse for the tires not necessarily um it depends on the compound it depends how the car is using the tire obviously when you run a stiff platform and stiff springs it puts a lot of heat into the tire but it doesn't make that mechanical grip when the tire isn't up to pressure and up to temperature so it's really the ebb and flow of full tanks a lot of times your balance uh, of full fuel tanks is the fuel burns off your balance will change so you you really do try to set up for the end of the race at Sebring and that might mean that you're on the struggle bus for the first eight hours of the race but all you're really trying to do is back time to that final hour 
when the car comes off the jacks, you know, as the driver, you got to go. And, and of course it's pitch black and Sebring is so wild because there's certain sections that are World War II aircraft right. strip and it's right. old concrete. <laughs> right. And then there's new sections that have been repaved. So you never really have a perfectly handling car. Everybody talks about the bumps. The bumps are a massive part of it. If you get a car that's compliant and is really good over the bumps, it might be crappy on the smooth high grip section. So there's a lot of compromise right, right, in that right. track in that race. I still think it's one of the toughest, most demanding races for the team, the driver, for the cars. That's everywhere. what I've always heard. I've never been. I've never been to Sebring. I've always heard that. It's like, that's the, like, Le Mans, yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a long time, blah, blah, but Sebring is just like, it's so hard. That's interesting to hear why. It's really tough. I mean, Audi used to test there for Le Mans. They figured if they could do 12 hours at Sebring, that was harder than 24 hours yeah. at Le Mans. Right. And right. they would test on the Monday after the 12 hour. And I think they would do 24 hours. And they knew if they could complete 24 hours with their R10 or their R15 or yeah, whatever yeah, their, their super, yeah, yeah. super prototype of that era was, that they were looking really strong for Le Mans. And it, it proved to be the case. Wow. Yeah. So they would go right away. Yeah, well, the grip on the track is always the best right after an endurance race. Yeah, because it's and rubber they could book everywhere. the time. Yeah, oh, the, wow. and the weather's right. great in Florida. I mean, I've spent more weeks in Florida in the winter than anywhere in my life because it just seems like every amount of testing and racing seems to take place there because you get the year-round weather. And, of course, in Europe, it's still probably pretty tough right now depending on where. A lot of times we tested in Spain and Portugal at this time of the year. But, yeah, you get England, rain at Sebring during the race? Occasionally, it's okay. not not as frequent as Daytona. It's not Daytona or like Le Mans. Like no matter what, there will be three hours of rain in France. It just happens. Yeah, right in the smack in the middle of June. It's wild. Yeah, yeah. Now, no Porsche, matter what. Yeah, Porsche did well in one of the classes, right? That was the, the FAF team one. Yep, in GTD. In GTD. Yeah, <laughs> which stands for Grand Touring uh, Daytona. Daytona. It's essentially GT. There's two and, GT and, and, classes. Okay, and what cars are were they racing, and and how did they place? Uh, there uh, in GTD, I'm trying to think who finished second. Um, but there was some BMWs were up there in GTD. No, but BM? I mean, what is the Porsche model that? Oh, they sorry, uh, it's the new 992 GT3 R. The GT3 R. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So essentially, starting with the GT3 RS Street car as the shell and then of course they can make a lot of changes to the body work some of the suspension but the base core of the engine and of the tub is actually a street car and they did well they they played well the the, the the faf car was interesting because they wrecked in in uh, practice <laughs> and so they were written off i think right. by a lot of people and then they wound up winning which wow. is wild yeah yeah from last yeah which so. car uh would you prefer to drive in a race like that it's tough. Actually, driving prototypes at Sebring uh, was a great experience because actually the downforce helped on the bumps. You think about prototypes and they look so low to the ground and so stiff and they are all of those things. But when you have that significant of amount of downforce, it really does stabilize the car and it actually makes those abrupt bumps go by quicker in the GT car. In fact, twice I've finished the race uh, where one of the dampers was gone. Just the suspension and the shocks just give up at a certain point. <laughs> right. And then it's a real uncontrolled oh. wild ride. And yeah. uh, you just, those big bumps, they're not little high frequency bumps. They are big like jumps. And by the end of the day, when you're just soldiering through the heat, it's often so hot, even in March in Sebring and your head's banging off the side of the seat. And it's, it's a long day on the bumps. Yeah, I'll bet. So, now, you know, oh. we've talked about this a little bit before. And last time we were talking about how there were no bathroom breaks that you just if you go, you go in the seat. What in 
what is your prep for an endurance race before? Like, you know, it's a lot of you want to be attentive, you want to be alert, you want to be strong. Like in the days leading up to that, do you go to bed early at seven o'clock? Do you stay up later? What What are you doing, and what do you what kind of cycle are you trying to get into, if any? It's a really it's a really good question, and it's a complex answer. Um, well, you can answer it simply. Like, yeah. what, what do you like to eat? Energy or- preservation. It's all about planning so that your mental and your physical energy recovers as quickly as possible between the stints and that you don't wear yourself out before the start of the race. Because there's all the pre-race activities. There's right. the days of right. practice and qualifying. And to your point, getting on a good sleep schedule, understanding when you're really going to need to perform. And that might mean sleeping late and waking up late so that you're kind of nocturnal. I remember oftentimes racing in Florida, and I just sort of stayed on California time because these races go so long into the right. night that you want to be sort of coming into that that strong suit right, right at 10 o'clock at night. So you arrive to the track how many days before the race? Yeah, three or four days usually. Three or four days. And then you're in a hotel. So you're losing sleep on that first night in the hotel. Yes. Nobody sleeps in a hotel on the, on the first night. Exactly. But, yeah. But then it's it's just getting yourself on that cycle and thinking about only the race and probably eating healthily. Do you have any snacks that you prefer? Or, you know, Pat Dempsey once was talking about how he, he chewed gum. It relaxed him behind the wheel that Hurley Haywood had told him that. Yeah, I tried that and the gum melted in my mouth. Like, <laughs> I, I, I kid you not. It, it literally yeah. melted in my yeah. mouth. It Florida just disintegrated. <laughs> um, and then you can't spit it out because that, you got a full helmet on. That right? old man hot breath. But, yeah. um, no, I think... I, I'm working with two young drivers right now that are in the Porsche ladder, a selected driver and a uh, a young driver in the Career Cup, Sabre Cook. And I I talked to Kai Van Berlo before Daytona. He has the speed. I'm not there to teach him how to drive fast, but I am there to give him uh, some wisdom and, and to talk to him about the 124-hour races that I've done and the places that I've learned efficiency when you're not in the car so that you have more energy on the second day when you're you're sick of driving. No one's no one in the team is asking for more laps once a 24-hour race starts. Right. The whole week leading up, everybody's complaining in the pits. How many laps have you had in the car? Oh, five laps because right. you have multiple drivers in limited time. But let me tell you, the next morning when the engineer calls for you, you really don't want to get out of the motorhome because you're just fatigued. You're beat up. And so I talked to Kai and I just asked him, where are your multiple race suits and your your underwear? Where where is that? Well, it's in the truck, but you're sleeping in the motorhome. Let me tell you from experience that in the middle of the night at Daytona, when you need to put a dry set of Nomex on, you need it all in one place. Um, where what is your food on pit lane in case you're delayed? There's yellow flags, and you're two hours into the car later than you thought, and you've been sitting in a cold pit lane. Uh, yeah, I need to have food on the pit lane. All right, what digests easily? What could you shove down your throat and jump in the car two minutes later? And for me, it was always peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. That, they, they worked when it was hot. They worked when it was cold. Right. Yeah, Morning, right, night, right. You know, it was, and it, it makes you like happy, you, right? A little it, bit of quick sugar yeah. um, and easy to digest. So I think you have to have that that meal that you would eat it at any point. And let me tell you, pasta and chicken, it tastes pretty bad after the fifth meal in a row. Yeah. I started yeah. to track what I ate and drank during a 24-hour race just because you lose track of your meal times and your schedule and six, seven, eight full meals in a 24 hour period. You know, that's what we're normally taking in. When you look at the the calorie burn in a car and and how much you have to intake to stay ahead of it that really is where so much of the science of recovery no matter how fit you are how many times you go to the gym during the week if you don't have your nutrition and your hydration dialed for the race 
you're you're going to be operating on reserves and and as you know from playing tennis or or driving once you're in that red zone you're not really coming back out of it for six eight hours yeah and you're making mistakes suddenly and you wonder why that happened what do you got? I just want to go back just to the bumps for a second because yeah, yeah, I'm just because like you know the 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 the, the GT3 R, um, like the downforce that our street cars are making now, you know the GT3 RS, it's got to be what prototypes were doing when you were racing or, or even you know or more than right. So like, what's it? Do you know if you're talking to the the current crop of GTD guys, like what's the downforce situation like in in the current cars? In, in the GT cars? Yeah. It's it's very, very high. You're spot on. I watched a CLK GTR um, video this morning. Somebody sent me online from 1999 at Le Mans. Right. And those cars were going, I think, 330 kilometers an hour, over yep. 200 miles an hour on the yep. straights. But in the corners, they looked no quicker than a modern GT car. Right. And I think the downforce levels that a GT3R or a Porsche RSR or any manufacturer's cars... Uh, I just talked on Jay Leno's show about the new GT3 RS does 1,800 pounds of collective downforce. Wow. And that's approaching Le Mans GTE numbers. It's, and so that's, it's, uh, that's actually F1 numbers. It's crazy. F1 is that about is 18. Because I remember I just, you know, I just drove the Valkyrie and I when they were there, I was there, they were like, the Valkyrie does 2,415 pounds of downforce on street tires. On track tires, it does two tons of downforce. And I'm like, what's an F1 car? And they're like, oh, it's about 1,800 pounds. So that's more than an F1 car. I would assume an F1 car makes a lot more than that, but I, I don't, think I, I think don't they're know. limited though. Remember, they made they made the they made the, the, wings the, small. the wings. They're very narrow now. Yep. You could. They know how to make. I mean, like the Valkyrie track car makes 5,980 pounds of downforce. They know how to do it. Right. But you know the the formula. Is. So Formula One's really limited to that number. I, we can look, wow. I think it's like 1,100, or no, I think it's like 900 kilograms of downforce or and, something. And 5,900 5, is what the Valkyrie could do in the high downforce? The track car does. Oh, does the 50, track car does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, the Valkyrie can do 4,000 pounds on, yeah. on, the, on, the, on, the, on the Cup 2R. It's insane. And, it's and insane. there was a lot of debate about that in, in you know, what the new GT3 RS does for a street car. And people say, well, you're never going to get to those speeds to make those downforce numbers. And BS. so what, but uh, well, BS. taking these cars on the, on the track, let me tell yeah. you, I was just out at thermal, uh, doing the release of, of the GT3 RS and driving the current 992. Is GT3, that this right here? Exactly. It, 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 driving the new GT3 RS versus the GT3 992. It was a massive differential. I was driving ahead of the journalists. Jörg Bergmeister was in the other GT3. And when we jumped into the 3RS, we both came in laughing. Like, it, it's crazy how different that is on the same generation GT3. It's you not see? just a, a big aesthetic. I've seen that. This I, shot drove me nuts. That's yeah. what that music was. If you so were just the, listening, the, Tribe Called Quest as Patrick... Uh, well, I don't even know what turn this is out of thermal, but that shot is so cool. The way you're just just that little slide. Yeah, we were shooting. Uh, it fell down so well. We were shooting some B-roll with with JF Mintzall, and and he talked about a lot of the drifts you see from uh, different journalists on track, and how that's set up, and how those shots are created. Right, but 
how much speed could you roll through a corner yeah. on a normal line right. and, and get past the limit of grip on the on the exit? And so Jurg and I were having a little bit of fun oh, uh, smoking some tires for, for the camera for JF. So I threw that up on my but, Instagram. But if yeah, serves, you got to check it out. Go to Pat Long's Instagram and check out the shot we're talking if, about. If I'll memory try to serves post like a here. regular GT3 is like 270 pounds of downforce or something, it's not a lot. I mean, it's a lot. Yes. Yeah, you're it's right. It's a lot. Yeah. But, but when 1800 or something, whatever the yeah. GT3, that's insane for a streetcar. Yeah, we went 3X. Wild. <laughs> why am I getting one of those? <laughs> I don't know. Why Why would I do it? It's insane. <laughs> what color did you order? Uh, we, we haven't, we haven't uh, talked about it yet. I'll tell you off the it's, it's, but, but uh, Pruny, Andy Pruny helped nice. us with the design and we were inspired by his car up in Monterey. Very cool. So uh, yeah, we're excited. We I just went heard- on the configurer and looked at the PTS options and I was overwhelmed. It's new colors, oh. old colors. I, I, I was stuck in the greens. Some of the fun, fun greens. Me that, too. Horatium cool. and this really nice. I, I was stuck on Etna blue with gray wheels and uh, we went with something more traditional this time. Nice. Yeah. But I'm excited about the car. Do you think that, that, that the folks like me are going to be able to control these knobs on the steering <laughs> wheel? Like that that's going to make sense to me and Zuckerman as we're driving around yelling at people. Hey, Spike. Hey, knob <laughs> number the DRS. <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> I think you'll find your home button. I think you'll know what, what you want uh, in, in settings. And, and the fun part is, is that on the race setting, you can actually override a bunch of the different dampers and mm-hmm. some of the mm-hmm. uh, differential and things like that. So you can actually go and knock all of the bump and rebound out of the dampers so that you can have a more plush ride. But of course, on the track, you're going to want that rigidity and control in the damper. The other fun thing is the differential. You can tune both the entry and the exit. So oh, if yeah. you negative and, and wind out or back off of the differential or what they're calling the PTV, uh, you have a more open and easier rotating car on the way in. And then, of course, if you wind it up, you'll have a more stable rear, but maybe a little more understeer on entry. And then same on the exit, you know, back it way off and you've got you know a much more open diff versus you know full positive and you can almost you know getting it locked a lot more across the two rear wheels i I, I gotta play with that because i had the i had the cadillac the ct5 v blackwing is the insane title of that car but one of the displays you can put up is the elsd so it shows you the percentage of lock at all times i was having so much fun just staring at it but to be able to like tune it would be awesome. Yeah. yeah. And the party the party animals love E and LSD. Yeah, E L S D, baby. That's what else do you need? It's the greatest name for a car part ever. So you love this car, this GT three RS. I, I love it on the track. I'm a I'm an old soul on the street, so I'm more of a Turbo yeah. S guy. Yeah, yeah, no, I hear you on that. Uh, or a, on or that. a Tycon, but right. um, or on the track, it's insane. But um, yeah, Johnny Johnny recently had a little sampling of the the four cylinder life in in Porsche. My, my first nine twelve. Oh, you drove that car. I drove his. Yeah, yeah. that's a lovely, phenomenal. Car. Yeah, just like. Yeah. And I know, I know your other car is much more special and all that, but I was just like, you said the best line ever. You're like, when the steering wheel is bigger than the wheels, you're in for a good time. <laughs> <laughs> like a bus. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I just, that, that 912, man, I've been. Wow. Another 912 uh, convert. It's annoying. It's annoying. I hate when like 
you know, people always tell you, and then it's exactly what they say. Yes. No, that's a good thing. No, that, that keeps you uh, moving forward in life to have it's something true. to get. Yes. If you don't have that, you might just decide to put yourself in a dumpster this afternoon, and we'll never hear from you again. <laughs> I hope I don't decide that, but <laughs> but no, but yeah, your nine twelve was absolutely yeah. That car. I lovely. mean, just it's it's just exactly what an quote-unquote old car should be like Mm -hmm. you know i think they live up to their hype i i also wondered is a nine how could a a 911 with less power Mm -hmm. a short wheelbase 911 an early 911 with less power be more enjoyable and it's just different (sighs) yeah i don't i don't know if it's more enjoyable than like a comp it was a 66 yep so i've driven i've driven a 66 911 i don't know if it's more enjoyable but it was just a different experience and just there's an elegance and a loveliness and this whenever you start driving old bugs i always find this too like they're much you know you i grew up i'd look at them i never drove them and i just thought they were cheap garbage and they're actually they made them as nice as they could you know they really had a lot of pride in building the the beetles and you know the interiors were actually pretty good you know they were just you know coming out of the war and it was just a nightmare um so yeah i just i, I just I, I love the 912 i'm there are there totally are car, cars like that that take you out of the speed game yeah the second you start driving you realize oh i can't keep up with really yeah. anybody but my sensation of speed is very fast and the lack of having to keep up with everybody is relaxing. Yep. You start to relax, and yep. then you're enjoying this drive, and the sensation of speed gives makes it feel like you're doing something. Yeah. And that adds up to that experience you're talking about. Yeah, and it was right? just like, it's so so direct and tactile, and, and like, you know, your other, your, your RSR, or your, sorry, your, your RS mule car, for, I don't know what you actually yeah. call it, but the mule car, which is like, it was a prototype for the, for the 73 2.7 RS. You know, I felt driving it, I was a little nervous because I, I know what it is, but also like you should really open it up and push on it to like get the best experience. But it was freezing cold and you were like, ah, the diff, I don't know if it's up to speed. You know what I mean? So it's, you, I wasn't relaxed in it where the night right. totally in command. Yes. Just like, Chill. loved it. And then sent a photo to Bill, and he thought I was him, and it was. All- <laughs> yeah, I was I winding that. Bill up because, of course, Bill, Bill, you called me with Jerry Spike, and um, were asking me questions. Jerry was asking me questions about my '66 912, and, mm-hmm. and and then it came out that Bill was the one who was interested in the car. It wasn't Jerry, but um, <laughs> I'm not so sure about that. By yeah. the way, I think it was both of yeah. them. Jerry, if you're listening, that's a nice one. <laughs> so, so he's got quite so a we few. We were winding Bill up. I sent him a, a, a direct message and a picture of Johnny, and I said, "I'm sorry, I had to let the car." go to johnny and he was not taking my joke like no i don't think he really understood it. that's bill of the malibu kitchen by the way who is 912 in a 912 frenzy yes he is. he's nodding right now listening to the show going yes i need a 912 and that's i'm a sure nice, someone that's a will really nice one and i like us. it's a survivor it was like that was you know it just wasn't like overly restored or anything yeah i bought it from the original owner uh he cried as i drove away good uh, he, gave me the, <laughs> he gave me the receipt uh he got good money for the car he just it was a car that he was lived with since 66 and no way it just had the you know the typical the full binder of every single yeah. service that it ever yeah. had and yeah th- something about driving these old cars when you're sort of holding on uh the seats and the seatbelts aren't doing much it's <laughs> right. very visceral and it's very humbling you're yeah. only going to go as fast as your physicality will will allow you to go yeah yeah what year did you buy it about 2015 okay i always you know when i deal with those cars i always am conflicted about replacing the seat belts on the one hand safety 
On the other hand, original seatbelts. And, you know, the, if, if it doesn't have a craft structure, man, seatbelts ain't going to do nothing. <laughs> I, I've, I've had them with, like, gnaws in the, in the fabric and just kept them because they look good. I just thought, yeah, what does it matter? It's funny. I remember the guy in my old neighborhood, he had a 66 uh, Mura. And it was about 2015. Nice. And he, you know, I'd, I'd always see it driving around. I'm like, I got to talk to this guy. Original owner. And he's just like, yeah, I'm selling it. I, I've reached that age. You know, I've had it s- since 66. And and I'm like, I can't believe you're selling it. And he's like, I bought it, whatever he bought it for, like $25,000. Mm-hmm. And he's selling it for, you know, at the time, 890000 <laughs> <laughs> Now it's a one point whatever car. But he's like, you know, this way my kids will have some money. And it's I've just ne- wild. I've never driven one, but it's one car that I, I love. Jay's and got for. two. Yeah, I was. Yeah. I just I sat in that one uh, one of his, and he he digs them. The driving position was a little interesting. The steering wheel was a bit far for somebody of my height and stature, but it's um, typical Italian position, right? Short legs, giant long arms, five foot eight. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I was stretching for the the steering wheel. The the, the legs were weren't bad, but man, a work of art for sure. One oh, of my yeah. favorite designs. I got I got to ride in that thing. It was. I, I, I I'm just gonna go drive it. I gotta drive it. Well, Patrick, thank you for coming in. This is exciting. Um, everybody is dying to go to Lufka Cult. And if you need tickets, you need to go to LufkaCult.com. The event is Saturday and Sunday, April 29th and April 30th on Mare Island. That's right. Mare Island. Um, and it doesn't matter what kind of porch you have. We have something for everyone. And uh, you're going to collect a lot of money. This is bigger than Woodstock. Look at <laughs> yeah, smiling. Sunday, if you own a Porsche, we want to see it. So head over to the website and we'll get you signed up. And, Waterstock. Uh, and lots of merch. I'm wearing one of your hats from last year that I absolutely love. I hope you have a cool hat. Do you make these same hats? or Yeah, we'll have, have something ones? very similar. We, we make a, a different piece for each event and kind mm. of integrate the number into it. So I like that one. I, d- I never got one of those. I got to hit you up Don't for a Don't take trade. this one. This was, this was the one that kept the sun out of my eyes. <laughs> yeah, I wore a hat. That's what Ferris showed up. And Ferris and boys love your t-shirts. They, they wear them to school and uh, they feel cool. So uh, again, many congratulations for this huge Porsche Mecca event and good luck on the next one. Johnny, anything to promote before we go? Mm, no, 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 nothing. nothing. I can't think of anything. <laughs> go to, go to, go, maybe I'll put some stickers on Blipshift. Go to Blipshift, <laughs> buy a Zuckerman head. There you go. And stick them on the cars at Luft. No, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't, don't do that. Don't do um, and with a little luck. There will we'll, be Zuckerman heads at Luft. We'll make sure that happens. Really? Well, are, are you going up? What Our, do you mean? How are you going to make sure they're going to be there? We'll put them on lift shift and people can buy them and they'll bring them with. A special Luft edition Zuckerman I mean, head I sticker? I heard, you, I heard Dixon had one on his helmet. <laughs> yeah, well, I need podium. I'm, wait, I'm waiting for the invitation to the and club. I, I think he podiumed again. He did? <laughs> yeah, it's super, right? He it's, was, it's well known, it's, the, the yeah. luck property of you, the Zuckerman head. That if, if you, you want a podium. Yes, if you want a podium, you put it on your head. All right, we'll, we'll think of a Luft... Uh, Something. Carlos Alcaraz, you, you saw his racket. He won Indian Wells. He had the Zuckerman head right there, yeah. right on the overgrip. Yeah. You take his hand up. There it was. Yeah. There yeah. it was. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right, folks. We'll Thank see you. you next week on Spikes Car Radio. Thanks for listening to Spikes Car Radio, brought to you by Hangar 56. Listen to new episodes every Wednesday, and be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. 
CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.